certainly do appreciate all that are here, and especially our visitors. We're glad you sought us out to worship with us and pray that everything said and done here is in accordance with God's will and that you'll get out a Bible and follow along um, with our lesson today. And the title of it is Challenges Confronting the Church. And some of the challenges that we've, we've discussed, not just me, but others, and I know you've heard in the past, are things like denominationalism, and one of the last times I was up here is almost exactly one year ago. It was January 25th uh, last year, whenever I gave a, a talk on denominationalism. But we've heard uh, denominationalism talks before that, you know, that's a great challenge confronting the church. We're dealing with, with that a whole lot. According to one account, there are more than, you know, 38,000 different denominations, if you want to try to break it down. So it's, it's a ton of things. And... You know, different religious organizations bearing many different religious names. And so, and everybody claims to be, in the general sense, we'll use that loosely, Christian. Yet, we probably get that question of, you know, why you Christians can't even agree? Why do I even want to be become a Christian? Because over here is a set of Christians that, or they claim to be Christians, are saying one thing, but over here saying another. And so we talked about that. And we understand that denominationalism is, first of all, something that is not, you know, um, sanctioned by God, it's unscriptural, it's anti-scriptural because we're, we're doing things that are not in accordance with what the, the word tells us, and ultimately it is harmful to the cause of Christ. We deal with that all the time, is, is trying to bring folks in, at telling them you know, about Christ, and then they, they come off with all the different questions and different nuances, and they don't want to necessarily go to the Bible, they want to go with so-and-so said, and that makes it very difficult for us. But in the general sense, whenever we do that, if we read and study the Word of God, then we can come around and, and under, start understanding things if we're willing to put our mind to it. And so that is a challenge of denominationalism. And like I said, it involves the organization of local churches under various hierarchies. And we're not talking about you know, the local church and then, then Christ. We're talking about all the local um, hierarchies that go on. So we have these synods and we have all these other things that that are out there that they report through and it's contrary to the prayer of Jesus and the doctrine of Paul if we look in John 17 and in verse 20 John 17 and in verse 20 says neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee and thou also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and the world may know that thou sent me, and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. So there was Jesus' prayer, and then we have Paul saying in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 and in verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it have been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so here we're dealing with denominationalism, but very similar to that, is sectarianism. And that is one of those, you know, that it can get right in 
churches of Christ. Before they might be denominational, they would start set, you know, separating themselves out, if you will. And it's a challenge confronting the church. And we're going to define sectarianism a little bit so that we all are on the same page. But, but uh, it's on the rise. And in fact, you could say it's almost an opposition of denominationalism because it's, it's in and of itself. But we all start binding it together. We, we start putting this umbrella on it. But if we sit and look at it, we can separate things out. And it leads to a perspective of the church that is akin to denominational mindset. And that's something that we've got to be careful with is that we ourselves, first of all, as Christians, and we claim that we're following the word of God, doing things that's being, we're a local church, we're doing all this stuff that is in accordance to the will of God if we read the Bible. But we can start watching, you know, pulling ourselves away and doing something that we shouldn't be doing, and we're going to get into that. Because what does sectarianism mean? You know, what is it? So we're going to define both sect and sectarianism. First of all, a sect. A sect is a group of people forming a distinct unit within a larger group. Pardon the E. That's a typo. Larger group by virtue of certain refinements or distinctions of belief or practice. So here they are. They're within the church, and now then they're starting to separate themselves out. So that's a sect. It's a religious body especially one that is separated from larger denomination. And another definition is a faction united by common interests or beliefs. So there's a sect. And we, we've heard of sects. We've seen the, I guess you would say, the extreme ones, you know, what is it, Waco, Texas, and, and things of, of, of that, that they have their belief, their ideas, and their thoughts. It's a faction united by a common interest or belief, and keep that in mind. So then what's sectarianism? It's of, relating to, or characteristic of a sect or sectarian. It's limited in character or scope. It's parochial. parochial. And if we look at the um, definition, and it's pulled from Wikipedia, but sectarianism in a religious sense is present throughout the world wherever people of different religions live in close proximity to each other. Religious sectarianism can often be found in, a, in varying forms and degrees. In some areas, religious sectarians, for example, uh, you know, we can name a few of those in our minds that, that uh, and I'm going to try not to name names, if you will. We can all think about that, but use the definition and then put other denominations in their thoughts, and then why do we have those 38,000? Well, there's some sectarian uh, things going on. They're separating themselves out, but they exist. And the thing about it is, is they're existing peacefully by, side by side. I am, name a denomination, but then you have the, uh, you know, the primitive version. You have the first X, you name it. And they're all, they all have something that's, that's common to them. And so they're starting to be sectarian in their, um, in their practices. But for us... We're going to define and use this, this as, as a, a faction united by common interests and beliefs because just like everything else, there's tons of different definitions. So we've got to pick one and use it because sect and sectarianism are often used as synonyms for denomination and denominationalism. If you sit back and think about it, people, the things that we're going to talk about, you, and I know I've, I've done the same thing, is, well, that's another denomination. Well, it's really... They're a, uh, a sect of that whole group as a whole. 
So if you pick a denomination, you see all these little sub-denominations, if you will, underneath it. They claim that top number or the top denomination name, but then they, they put things underneath it. They are, you know, united by a common interest and a belief because they're doing something just a little bit different than the other is. And so that's what we want to do is it's a faction united by common interest or belief. And then in sectarianism, we're going to use in the, the bold up there, it's limited in character or scope. It's parochial. Parochial. And so it's of or relating to a church. You know, a church parish, as this definition from the dictionary says, of or relating to a parish as a unit of a local government and is combined or restricted as within the borders of a parish. So it's restricted within the realms, you know, of, of the building in and of itself and that group there. And so it may sound arbitrary, but when we start studying and looking at these different sects, the sectarianism, denominationalism, you know, there's so many things out there. Are we doing stuff like that? Well, that's what we got to look inwardly to ourselves and make sure that we're not trying to say, well, you know, this is what the Bible says, but I really think it says more of this. Well, we got to sit down and study those things because we can start pulling ourselves away. And so denominationalism is a mindset that sees nothing wrong with dividing the body of Christ into various denominations. You know, you've seen the signs, one, you know, just attend a church. One church is as good as another. As long as you're, you're going to a church. And that's not the right thing. We've got to go to the Lord's church. And if they're not following what the Bible says, we need to be studying and finding out where we need to be going. Sectarianism is a mindset that views the body of Christ as limited to a select group of churches identified by a particular and somewhat arbitrary set of doctrinal practices. So in and of itself, when you start hearing that definition, it's like, well, okay, I don't fully disagree with it. But then whenever you get to that arbitrary set of doctrinal practices, yeah, we're doing this, but now other churches, let's, you know, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. You know, some say, well, all right, it's okay if, and they start putting these little qualifiers on there. Well, they're, they're trying to set themselves apart. They're saying one thing, yet claiming to be, you know, a member of whatever that denomination may be. So it can get confusing and therefore, we need to study more. And using these terms, though, hopefully we can clarify the distinction by reviewing, you know, these erroneous views of, of and we're going to use the Church of Christ. People, you know, want to, you know, just as Baptist or Catholic or whatever, when you say Church of Christ, people that are not of the Church of Christ put it in a denominational mindset that because they're in the denominational mindset, when you say Church of Christ, that's what they think as well. So we got to step back and say, how do these people see how we're thinking, you know, how they're thinking? So we got to think about that because there are some misconceptions, you know, of the church. And so, uh, as I said, with the denominationalism, I'm getting ahead of myself in the notes and not the uh, slides, but uh, there are the two things that we talked about. But when we look at the denominational misconception, the Church of Christ is made up of those churches with the name Church of Christ. And that's the way folks think about that in, in, in a denominational mindset. Well, you go to the Church of Christ. Just any Church of Christ is as good as another Church of Christ. And we know that that's not the case. You know, the Church of Christ as such, you know, from the denominational perspective, is but one denomination among many. And together with other denominations, they constitute, you know, the, the universal church, the body of Christ. And that's, you know, the, the concept that they're thinking is that all those 
churches of Christ throughout the world, well, that's the universal church, some people think. But there are those in other denominations, and because of their denominational mindset, in which they view their own church as part of that body of Christ. Because then it's like, well, we're, part, we're Christian, so you just, you just have a different name than I do. Well, also it's different practices, different, uh, different way you, that you do things. And sadly, and Ann and I have experienced, and I've talked about it too, there are those, and we'll use it, mainstream churches of Christ. And, you know, Delaware and Lewis, when you go to one and you see some of the stuff that's going on in there, that uh, you have the, I don't know how many piece band and all the things that they do, Yet they're claiming to be Church of Christ and doing the things that the church should be doing, but they're adding all these other things to it. So they are they're increasingly accepting that denominational view of a church. We see the other denominations doing the things. But if we look in the, then also at the sectarian misconception, you know, there are those that say that the Church of Christ is made up of only those churches with the name Church of Christ. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. There are also those that say the churches as such constitute the one true church, the body of Christ. And there are people in other, you know, in other congregations that cannot possibly be members of the body of Christ. You know, that's the mindset. That's the sectarian mindset. And those that hold this view, and many in those mainstream churches of Christ, because that's our example this afternoon, is that they view the church of Christ as the official exclusive name for the Lord's church. And there are those that think that. Many in the non-mainstream churches of Christ, I mean, you know, how else can we, terminology gets difficult after a while, but including those are tending to identify themselves on the basis of one particular issue. They'll start picking out something. And so with these distinctions, and this in particular, these distinctions that we're talking about between denominationalism and sectarianism, we, we can delve into it a little bit further. So what are some examples of sectarianism? Well, first of all, one that we brought up is they're insisting on one exclusive name. You know, it's got to be Church of Christ. It can't be, in, if you're not saying Church of Christ, then you're not truly the Lord's church. Well, if we look in here, look in Romans 16 and in verse 16, we see scriptures use a variety of terms describing the Lord's church. Yeah, we can go to Romans 16, 16. It says, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Well, that's one of the names of the church. So yes, church of Christ is, is an acceptable uh, name for the church. But what about 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2 is another example. It says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Christ Jesus our Lord, both theirs and ours. Well, they are a church of God. Now, my mindset, at least where I'm from, church of God is, is not one that I'm willing to accept based upon my experiences in from where I'm from. But if there is a faithful church and they call themselves a church of God, that, that doesn't exclude them because they're not calling themselves church of Christ. But there are folks out there that think that. That's some sectarianism. It's, it's a, just think about it. I'm using these 
bigger examples, but then when we work our way on inside, when we start picking and choosing certain things, we're starting to separate ourselves. We here at Lake Street, we only do this. Well, you Heiss or Overland, you know, if they don't do this, it's wrong. And that's the, the mindset that people can get. Some insist there is only one scriptural name. You know, this limits one view of the church universal to only those churches with the right name. And when the, we know that there can be other names that are faithful, that can be used, that are scriptural. Another thing is identifying faithfulness by one particular doctrine. And we're not talking about like Christ's doctrine, you know, or the Paul's doctrine, which is Christ. We're talking about getting on down in there and making our own doctrine, if you will. Churches are often judged by their stand on a particular issue. Institutionalism is an example. Divorce and remarriage is another. And it can lead to rather arbitrary standards of faithfulness. You know, an example is a church is deemed faithful if it's considered non-institutional. Well, we, as we know, there are those that claim to be non-institutional that definitely don't fit that. And the church in, in Delaware is, is a good example of that. Because they are, in fact, or may be, in fact, and it's sometimes hard to tell, engaging in unscriptural practices or lacking in critical Christian attitude. I attended a church whenever, this has been 15, 20 years ago, it was in Kansas, Wichita. I went because I flew on a weekend, and when you go there, you didn't have any problems, but then there were just certain things that you started seeing that was... You know, church sponsored this. It was all on the bulletin board. It was never announced, you know, during announcements. Not anyone was talking about it, but they were starting to add uh, things on their little bulletin board in the back. That It was, you know, mission trips and, and things that was church sponsored that, that as individuals, no problem to do. But as a church, you start, you know, questioning why they're doing that. So they were starting a change, but you would never know that during the service whatsoever. So they were starting to engage in other unscriptural practices as, as, a, as a church. And then you have folks that, you know, can we recommend a non-institutional church of Christ? Well, you know, we should be just saying a faithful church, hoping for the best because whose idea is faithful sometimes that you're talking to? That's where we as, as Christians are to be studying, knowing what the Word of God is. So when we do attend a church of Christ that we do know whether it's faithful or not. It's one of those that whenever you start saying new, uh, non-institutional or, or the like, you could ask for, well, why not a, a Baptist Church of Christ? Why not an Episcopal Church of Christ? Because that's what you're starting to do is you're labeling it with a name. And it starts getting, you know, it's getting dangerously close to denominational mindset. And that's our thing. It's very difficult to even speak about it or preach about it because... You, you're trying to step back and, and not be denominational in the mindset, but you've got to talk about it in a way that we understand, and it makes it difficult. But it's, it's one that we've got to just constantly keep studying and not doing things that would be identifying you know, faithfulness by a particular doctrine. We've got the Word of God to go by. We don't need to be picking and choosing what we decide is the thing that we're going to be known for and build off of that. So we've got to avoid that sectarianism. We've got to do the things to keep from doing that. And when we avoid it, 
you know, we don't want to be standing on these particular issues. We don't want to have arbitrary standards of faithfulness because when we do, it messes things up. We're, we're going against the word of God. So we've got to do things to avoid sectarianism. And that means we've got to have, first of all, that proper view of the church universal. That, you know, the universal church began on the day of Pentecost. It's not something that we can do. It's something, it's, it's something that, that God has done. It's composed of all Christians from around the world. And the Lord is the one that adds those who are being saved. He's the one that determines the membership. So that is the church universal. It's not all the churches of Christ around the world and what there's the universal church. That's, that's not it. Those are just different congregations throughout. That means that there is just one spiritual body and there is no earthly organization. It is one that the church universal is not composed solely of a select group of churches wearing one official name. It's not defined by one particular issue nor is it listed in these specialized directories, if you want to call it that. Because since the Lord is the one that takes care of this membership, you know, we can guarantee that the church universal is avoiding sectarianism. We don't have to worry about that. So when people start using the church universal, we've got to be sure that they're using it in the right definition, the right terminology. Because a lot of folks, when they do that, they're talking about all the, you know, the buildings, if I guess is the best way to describe it, around the world, all the, the, the ones around, but it's not that way. We also need to understand that we have to have a careful evaluation of the local churches. Just as you know, we're visiting, we hope and pray that the visitors come in and we are talking about and preaching the word of God and not doing the things that are unscriptural. We want to be preaching what the Word of God is, and if we're not, we need to be told about that and study that. Do the things that it takes to get back in line with God, not in the way that we want to, because the faithfulness of, of a local church is de determined ultimately by the Lord. We don't determine what the local church, you know, if it's faithful to the Lord or not. The Word of God does, and our study of the Word of God. If we find that we're stepping out of line and not doing the things that need to be done, then we've got to accept that our toes are stepped on and change our mindset. And it's very difficult, but it's something we have to do. And if we're constantly on guard with that when we study, then we're, we're, we're willing to change because we're willing to look. We're not, not closed-minded about it. Because Jesus knows, he judges, he is the one. He's the one that knows and judges the congregations. Revelations 2 and in verse 2, if we look at that, Revelations 2 and in verse 2 it says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and has not fainted. That's what we should be doing is that we are to you know, know what's going on because the Lord is going to know our works so we better know what we're doing. Have we labored? He knows what kind of labor that we are doing. Are we laboring for Christ or not? How patient are we? Are we shunning away those that are doing evil, you know, in, in the eyes of the Lord? Are we accepting them in and saying, well, that's not too bad. It's okay. Well, no, you know, that's not what we should be doing. Because the Lord knows. Have we tested those that say they're apostles, you know, those that are, are prophets and, and the like, that are preaching a, a the word that is not the word of God. 
because Christ does know. Because congregations with false teachers, they may be tolerated for a time, but guess what? Going on in verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of, of the uh, Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So here they were. They were claiming to do all this stuff, but it turns out they weren't. They weren't fully doing everything that, that was told them to do as the local congregation, as the Church of Christ. As they were doing other things. They left the first love. And so when we do evaluations, we need to make you know it known how are we going to know this. We've got to study the Word of God. We've got to understand if we're starting to pull away, we're going to be this little sectarianism type church, if you will, because we want to pick and choose what, what we want to do and how we want to live and, and preach the word of God. It doesn't work that way. Any evaluation we make is subject to our limited knowledge of these local churches because we don't know the history of it necessarily. All we can do is base it up on the word of God, and it takes our study to know so. And that means that we should do our best to be faithful and find faithful churches. But, you know, at the same time, we've got to be careful in our judgment in other churches. James chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who art thou that judges another? And so we've got to be careful how far we go. We've got to do it all based upon the word of God. We can't just come in and say, you know, you're wrong. There's ways to approach how we let folks know what's going on. But at the same time, we don't need to just say, you know, you need to listen to me. This is what it is. We've got to work at it. We've got to show them through the word of God. Study with them. And not be that one that's, you know, with a stick kind of beating down on you and saying, here's what you should be doing, because that's not going to get us anywhere. You know, we need to read and study God's word, see whether, you know, we are having, uh, we are uh, doing, the, you know, the faithful work, the work of the faithful. And that's what we should be doing, you know, as a congregation when we come together. That means we should be careful not to discount the possibility of other faithful churches unknown to us just because they may have a different name. We can't just automatically, and we're, I know I'm just as bad as anybody else, you know, you start, you hear something, you've already got your mindset on it, good or bad. Whenever someone tells you something, well, I've already, you know, so-and-so, a name, and since Eric and Natalie are having a, a baby coming up soon, when Ann and I were in the process, people would say, oh, well, what about this name? Well, I went to school with so-and-so, and I just do not like that name. I've already predetermined or pre-judged you know, in my mind that name because of my experiences. And I don't believe my child, if they were going to be named, and I'm not giving out names because I don't want that to, you know, people to be upset over that, you know, my daughter, Erin, or Alexa would turn out the same way that I thought of that person that I went to school with with that name. And so we can't, we can't do stuff like that. We've got to be careful not to discount the possibility you know, of that person, all because of a name. 
It may be scriptural in every way, but, you know, using maybe a different scriptural name. And so though it's not listed in our directory of churches or known by our association, we can't just stop there and say, well, that's, that's not a faithful church. And so with that, you know, it's all based upon our limited knowledge. The word of God is what we've got to go by. We've got to um, be careful, again, like I said, not to discount the possibility of other faithful churches unknown to us. And when we look at it, denominationalism and sectarianism, we can distinguish it by their views of the church. You know, the denominational view of the church can be very broad. So it's a very broad view of things. But when we look at sectarianism, then all of a sudden we start getting that narrow view. We start saying, well, yeah, I belong to, name the denomination, or even the Church of Christ. But then we can start denominating ourselves, pulling ourselves away from what the true church is. And then we're in a little section here that says, if you don't follow this, and, and I'll be generic here in, in the fact that if we don't have two songs, a prayer, a song, a lesson, you know, the song afterward, if you don't do that, you know, you're not a true church. I know that's silly, but people get to that point that they start picking and choosing how things are to be. And it's not that. It's how we sing to the Lord. How are we praying to the Lord? The lessons that we are you know, giving, are we truly taking the time? Is it scriptural? Are the things that we say the word of God? It's not the order. Yes, we need to have things in order and, and the way it should be so it's, it's pleasing to the Lord. But because... If you don't do it this way, it's wrong, is not the way it is. And that's what sectarianism can do to us, is we start moving away from that, because sectarianism can lead to denominationalism. That's why we probably have those 38,000-plus denominations. If you probably arch it into an umbrella, maybe there's 10 or 12 denominations, but then each of those denominations have tons of little sects underneath them that claim that title, but then they have this certain belief that another one does not have. And so it's something that we've got to keep our eye out because I believe that's a way that, that a lot of churches fall is they start fighting among one another about some certain little something that the Word of God has already talked about and has set you know, the, the way it should be. But we're going to nick, nitpick back and forth. And one side is going to say, well, this is how I want it. The other side is going to say, no, this is how I want it. And then there's a split. And that's not the way it works not in the eyes of God. And if we want to be pleasing to him, then we've got to be set, willing to sit down and study the word of God and come up with the answer from the word of God, not discount it because it didn't agree with my idea. And so we need to be sure that we're not doing that because we don't want to be a denomination. We don't want to be a, a, you know, a sectarian type church. We want to be God's church. We want to be the church of Christ. And I'm using that not as a, a title, but Christ's church. We want to be Christians and living the life that he expects us to live. Because challenges to Christ's church are many. Not just denominationalism, not sectarianism, but just the world in and of itself. And it's always pulling us away. It's nothing new. Churches have been, you know, dealing with this problem since the day it was established. So it's, it's nothing that uh, we're going to be surprised about. It's just, as they say, wrapped up in a new little shiny package, but the same situation, just a different light. 
And just as the church faces uh, those challenges, then we're going to face those challenges now. And as simple as that, we, you know, we make the choice. We decide if we're going to follow Christ or not. Coming to services is a choice. You didn't have to come to church. Uh, our visitors, they didn't have to stop in and visit, but they, they did so on their way to, to the airport, and we appreciate that so much. They took the time out to worship God, and that's a choice, and it's a choice that we have to make. Do we want to please God? Well, we do everything we can to please him, and if it, uh, when we come together as, as God's uh, people, we lift one another up. We edify one another. The songs that are led, it edifies us. It lifts us up. It brings us closer together. Hearing the word of God, we can hear what God wants us to do through his word. And then we can put it in our, our hearts, live it out in our everyday lives so that people around us can see Christ, see God in, 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 in our lives and how we act and how we do. And hopefully, it's as I've said before, when they see us, do they see us as a Christian or just some other person on the street? How do we carry ourselves? How do we act? How do we treat one another? Because they're not necessarily going to just walk up to you and talk to you. It's They're going to see, you know, the first reaction is how they see you re react and act among other people. And so we don't want that to happen to us. We want to constantly keep thinking to ourselves, what is it, you know, what would I be doing? What is it that I need to be doing to please God? And is Erin is, is working on D.A.R.E. She had to write a paper. And, you know, you have to do these things, assess your problem that you're around, and then what was the outcome? You know, evaluate what you just did. So for us, maybe we need to use that, and I can't think of the acronym of what D.A.R.E. is. I should. But, uh, you know, you've got to think about, if I say this or I do this, what, how am I going to feel about it? And it, it's, it's that fast. But we have to do it because we can sometimes say things that we wish, you know, once it's out, you can't bring it back. So we got to constantly think about what we're doing. And I know that uh, we all try, but there are moments in time when, you know, the heat of the battle, if you will, that things don't, don't get evaluated like they should before you, you know, speak. That filter gets missed. But hopefully, if we study the Word of God, and that's my point, and we read it, we put it in our hearts, we're going to actually think about what we do on a regular basis versus react because, oh, I didn't know that. We know that. That's what the military, they put you through all that basic training so that whenever you're in, in the heat of the battle, you're reacting to it. You don't have to say, okay, now they told me on day two that you're supposed to, I can't remember. Well, I don't know. You know, that's not the point. Our point is, is we're in a battle, so we need to be prepared. We need to constantly be studying and preparing ourselves because this way, when we are in the heat of battle, we can actually react to it. We can, we can deal with the situation at hand, and that's why we come together every Lord's Day is so that we can study the Word of God, hear the things that are being said, put it in our heart, bring it to those around us so that, that when they see it, we can, we can react to it. And so that's why we want to uh, study the Word of God and put it in our hearts so that people can see it, is so that we can bring others to Christ. So if there's anyone here that needs the help of the congregation in any way, that's why we're here. Come forward as we stand and sing.